So, guys, we understand pretty well that uh, Northerners were worried about slavery spreading to the territories and continuing a Southern domination of politics across the Union. Were there equivalent fears in the South about Northern strangulation of the political rights of Southerners? Yeah, Brian, let me uh, pick up on that, and I'll kick it over to our good friend Ed. And I'd say absolutely there were. There were great concerns that now that the Republicans were in control of the national administration, that this was the culminating chapter in a long narrative of Southern victimhood, believe it or not. That is that the federal union had been redistributing wealth through its uh, commercial system, the tariff, navigation laws, and so forth. And that, in effect, the South had been subsidizing the North. Let me let me just stop there, Peter. You mean that this tariff was protecting Northern industries, yeah. but disproportionately yeah. taxing Southerners. But even when the tariff went down, they analyzed the whole commercial system and saw a maldistribution of benefits that uh-huh. they were flowing to the North. In other words, the real problem for the South was democracy. That is... Under the Constitution, it would be possible for a hostile majority to seize the reins of central power, and they've been waiting for that to happen since 1787. And so here's the terrifying vision of secessionists, that Abraham Lincoln has a brand new party. They've never been the presidency before, but as soon as he builds the network of patronage that's Mm -hmm. going to span all the ports and post offices of the South— My goodness, what could you do then about abolitionist literature? What could you do then about building party strength? So, Ed, you're suggesting that there's a fear among some Southerners that Republicanism might gain some traction in the South. Oh, yeah. You know, three-fourths of white Southern men are not slaveholders. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't those guys want to say, you know, what I'd like to have is a party that's really for me. (laughs) That's not, you know. And why is this plausible? Because the South has had a two-party system until very recently, which has just collapsed. So there's a vacuum there that all these former Whigs, all these former people who believed in a lot of the things Republicans believe in, which is using the federal government to build railroads and canals and all this sort of stuff, they could be pulled into the Republican Party, and the South would begin to fragment from within. And as soon as you have that happen, goodness knows what would happen with the enslaved population if they thought they had some white allies. So that's a... Very good explanation of kind of the apparently quite realistic assessment of the politics. But what about the fear of race war? What about the kind of racial situation on the ground? Well, I've got two words for you, Brian. John Brown. Yeah. Now, remember, it's only in 1859, just the preceding year, that he leads a campaign, as he says, to begin the end of slavery through the black men themselves rising up Mm -hmm. against their masters and hands out all these pikes and things, Mm -hmm. right? So they look around and they think, well, we don't know who Abraham Lincoln is. (laughs) Who knows what he's going to do? But what we do know is maybe those black people were listening and they're waiting for the next John Brown. And that when the political system becomes destabilized, that they will seize the opportunity to rise up against us. Yeah, and and it's worth remembering that throughout American history, uh, servile insurrection, the uprising of slaves, is associated with outside interference. You Mm -hmm. go back to the American Revolution and Lord Dunmore's proclamation in March 1775, freeing Virginia slaves, that's the last royal governor, come to our lines, join us. In a way, that's the thing 
that Southerners would fear. It's not that their slaves would rise up spontaneously by themselves because they think they've worked it all out. Uh, right, right. Because slavery is becoming a more efficient, even we hate to say it, but a more modern and effective institution. And right, I think right. what you're saying Ed, is that it's this vanguard of aliens, foreigners to the South, Northerners representing the administration who could tip the balance in dangerous that ways. Fascinating. And, and of course, you guys know that persists into the 1960s when the first oh, yeah. charge against people demonstrating peacefully yeah, for their rights, simple rights, yeah, outside yeah. agitators, because our own people, although subject to they Jim Crow, place. Right. Yeah, they would never do this without outside agitators. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we get back, we'll pick up our story in South Carolina, where the secession train finally leaves the station. You're listening to a special Civil War anniversary edition of Backstory with the American History Guys. We'll be back in a minute. <laughs> 